Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. We're live. It's April 10th, 2014. Spring is actually hitting the Northeast. It's a beautiful thing. So let's get started with our topic today. The buzz is enterprises. Put that together with startups and you have a question mark sometimes. Let me dig into our topic. Some startups simply refuse to start small. They want to approach the big enterprise market right away in hopes of landing a big customer right from the get-go. Could they succeed? Maybe, if they quickly understand what does the enterprise audience wants. If they still are savvy about their own products, they get their ego out of the way and they say, how should I position what my offering is so that the enterprise will want to talk to me and maybe buy from me? They also, most important of all, need to know their own strengths as well as their own weaknesses. If a startup can get their arms around this, great. If not, you could be struggling. Well, guess what? I've got a panel of what I call in-the-trenches startup veterans who figured this out. They have words of wisdom, a lot of insights, and I think a lot of water under the bridge, trial and error, but they know how to do it. I'm going to introduce the first guest up on my panel. He's almost a veteran of SAP Startup Focus Radio, been on the show several times, always delighted to have Chris Carter, the CEO of Aprio back, and he sent the following quote, do not be afraid to fail. Go in prepared or ready to lay it all on the line. If you lose, lose with style and grace. You never know what, when, or where the end really is. I, I think we got to write that somewhere and put it on the side of a wall. Chris Carter, welcome back. How are you today? I'm well, Bonnie. Good to talk to you again. Wonderful to have you. Chris, a lot of interesting things in your quote here. You say, don't be afraid to fail. So when a startup approaches the enterprise, is there anything such as a statistic on failure? Should they expect 50% of the time, 90% of the time? What's your experience? I bet you our panelists will agree that most of the time that a startup will fail because they're not sure of themselves when they go to the enterprise. And I'm sure we'll get into that today. And that's going to be a hot topic on that. It really is. And tell me something. This, I think, is as important. If you lose, lose with style and grace. And rhyming with grace is egg on your face. So how do you walk out with your proverbial tail between your legs and say, oh, they didn't like us. Oh, we weren't strong enough. Oh, we weren't talking the right language, walking the right walk. How does a company do that? And is the point of that, Chris, that maybe they'll be invited back in a, at a future lifetime as a more mature startup? What do you find? That's a great point. That second option, you smile, you shake their hand, thank you for teaching you something, walk out the door, take that knowledge, and use it for the next enterprise. And you never know, that first company may come back and say, I liked your presentation, we just weren't ready at that time, we now want you to come back in. And I think that's a great uh, way to keep your head up high. You might get invited back to the party. It sounds like a job interview. Is it similar to a job interview, Chris? A company yeah, job it, interview? It absolutely, 100% is. They, you okay, are being now, interviewed to work with that company just as if you were their employee. 
Now, tell me one more thing before we turn to our next panelist and his quote. You say you never know when or what the end really is. What Are you talking about the end being the success when you get invited back or the end, you don't know, up and down the ladder of success where you may or may not meet them again? What were you thinking? Uh, because we had actually lost an initial uh, engagement with an enterprise, they mm-hmm. went forward with the company that they chose. That company failed miserably, and because they really liked what we did and how we were, but we were a startup enterprise, a startup organization, they came back to us and said, we want to engage you. And since that point, we have been their partner of choice now. So you don't really know when the end is going to happen. That's fantastic. And Right, when the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, because it might be another rainbow. Great points, Chris. Thank you for getting us started on our topic. I'm now going to welcome your co-panelist, Vish Kanaran. He's president, CEO, and chief data scientist of Liquid Analytics. And his quote is, software equals mathematics. Software equals team. The best teams build the best software. So now we're taking a look inside the startup. Welcome, Vish. How are you today? Bonnie, I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, you sound wonderful. I almost had to turn around and see if you're here in my office. So clear and sharp. Where are you calling from, Vish? I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. Oh, my goodness. Has, has spring sprung yet? It's beautiful outside today. Wonderful. Here in New York, too. So talk to me. You gave me a little bit of a mathematical equation. Capital S software equals capital T. Team, the best teams build the best software. What are we talking about in reference to our topic, startups selling to the enterprise, Vish? I think it's more than just the salesperson. I think that, the, you know, when you go into an enterprise, you have to deliver. You have to have a solid team, and you have to trust your solid team to be able to deliver. If there's anything I would say in the enterprise, it's, no, you know, no surprises and meet expectations. And the best way to do that is to have a team. People buy into teams. I think Chris, you know, when Chris said they're interviewing you as if they're employees, it's not just you. It's every one of your people that come in there that represents your brand. And, uh, you know, if everybody's delivering and you keep your team happy and, and your team delivers great software, the enterprise will be happy. Great points. Fish, I, I want to dial that back just a little bit. Let's talk about the actual interview. When you bring people into your team, do you have an eye, at your perspective at Liquid Analytics, of course, did you have an eye of what's going to make a good team here and maybe one day we'll be very successful, hopefully sooner rather than later, versus who would make the best team players so that we can go out of the box and go out and approach the big guys, the big kids, play in the big leagues, because we have a team that just knows what they're doing. We have strengths. We get our weaknesses, but we're really strong. Did you hire with that in mind? Absolutely. I mean, you have to hire people that, well, first of all, you have to hire people that look at their work as a craft. They're not just doing mm. this as a job. Um, it's not just, it's not a hobby. It's not just a job. It has to be your craft. It's a combination of the art, the technology, and the craft all coming together. Um, and those are the people. I mean, for, for us, in a very simple, without going into any details, you never know what you're going to come up against, including in the enterprise, because there's so much, in, so much integration involved. You have to hire people that, as programmers, they're willing to adapt to new programming languages, to new, inter- to new implementations. Mm-hmm. That's really what you want to find in people. Fearless. And I'm thinking back to Chris Carter's part of his quote. He said, if you lose, lose with style and grace. When you say you want people who accept what they're doing or, or believe in what they're doing as a craft, that goes to me, with me, to style and grace. Uh, good words. Thank you very much, Vish. We have a lot more to hear from you during the rest of the show. And let's welcome our third panelist today. It's Deepak Aher. He is with this SAP startup focus team for SAP HANA. 
And Deepak sent me a very long quote. I'll try to dissect it. We'll have him chime in. He says, from personal experience selling to enterprises at the CXO level for the last 19 plus years, he has learned a lot. And I quote him, what I follow the most is the following saying, don't mistake activities for achievement. And then Deepak adds, this makes you follow Andy Grove's words, only the paranoid survive. And he adds, Grove is one of the most influential leaders who made Intel what it is today. That's a mouthful. Deepak Ahir, welcome to the show. How are you today? Very good, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, delighted. You and I have been trying to get together to do a radio show. I think way back last October, I, I saw your name pop up. So it's about time. So talk to me. Your experience, now you're with SAP Startup Focus for SAP HANA, but what's your experience for 19 years? A little bit, uh, what did you learn as far as don't mistake activities for achievement? Sounds very important. Go ahead. Great. Thank you. So I started, I am basically, from an education perspective, I am a statistics and operation research major, and uh, my life has been behind the computer walking and uh, essentially building logics for software companies in the past, and I have been on the coding side, developed, uh, you know, I don't know, there's something called as COBOL, if a few of us would know it. I'm a veteran COBOL programmer. I was doing that in the 70s, carrying key punch decks around. I was programming on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. Do you remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, please continue. Go ahead. So I was a silver (laughs) medalist in COBOL back then and had some great applications written. And then eventually the time came when said, great, we're building this fantastic application. Who's going to sell it? Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, somebody with a pretty face has to go to sell it, not claiming anything, but just wanted to get out and had the guts to go in front and actually sell this passion, which is about software application development. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started essentially getting to understand that, you know, building is great, but selling is important because that's what pays bills. That's what Mm -hmm. we build the software for. It's the usage of software. And that's where I started my sales journey. I used to look at the air conditions outside offices and, and assume that there is a computer inside and that means there is somebody who is going to require software. And that's where my journey for sales began. And I've been working in different uh, companies, have done consulting with CSC, Computer Sciences Corporation, had my own initial two startups, uh, very, very small scale. And then I started doing this something called as flip companies, any company which is looking to grow their revenue from 2 to $20 million, uh, we used to bring in a SWAT team, do a strategy analysis as well as a market analysis, and go make the calls and start building the revenue. So that has been my focus for last uh, 19 years. I've sold in Asia Pac, India as well, and, uh, and then the U.S. So IT services, uh, outsourcing services, software product engineering services, and also products in the past. Great background. So you're perfect for this show. So let's go to your two quotes. I want you to dissect them, and then we're going to circle back and ask Chris Carter to tell us a little bit about his background with Aproyo. But Deepak, only the paranoid survive. Let's do the Andy Grove quote first. What does that mean in, in your lifetime as a startup? Okay. So as, as far as the startups are concerned, I think most of the startups are very, very passionate about the product that they are making, the solution that they are trying to work but at the same time, a lot of these startups really get defocused in building the functions and the features of the product without validating them in the market. So you have, you're basically creating this never-ending 
product development life cycle, but unless you get validations, you will never be able to know that whether you're building the right product, whether somebody else has already built that product, or essentially market validation, as I would call it. You've got to be a little bit paranoid in terms mm-hmm. of who your competition is, who are yeah. your people, who, you know, how, your, uh, you know how, how your company looks at you, how people like development team looks at you, your team looks at you, and more importantly is, you know, what is the space, what kind of customers, how do the customers look at you? And the fact of being paranoid essentially is not taking things for granted, always on the run. And I can definitely see Chris as well as Vish, uh, you know, use that very well. They are paranoid, and uh, I definitely <laughs> see a survival track for them. We, we could call this paranoid passion or paranoia with passion, I think, as a craft and, as Chris says, with style and grace. Deepak, we'll circle back on your other quote because I know it's something we embrace at SAP. Don't mistake activities for achievement. Very important to all kinds of businesses. But let me give Chris a turn. Chris, you've been on a couple of times, but some of our listeners might not have been fortunate enough to hear you the first or second. So why don't you give us a little background on Aproyo and your experience similar to what Deepak described. When did you start as a startup? Certainly. So, um, Chris Carter, I'm the founder of Aparoyo, and this is actually my third different company in the SAP ecosystem. And I started this company a few years back, just before HANA went into beta. Um, and SAP HANA was the big data analytics solution from SAP America. And we saw it as a revolutionary new tool to be able to provide real-time analytics, um, really bring data forward from any repository, any situation, any need, um, and we really wanted to start doing that. And it actually started with a health and services company um, that needed to gather data and be able to uh, bring that forward very quickly. And so we started and we said, let's do it. We're, we're ready. We're a game changer. And that's what we mm-hmm. wanted to provide was game-changing activities. And lo and behold, uh, since then, you've been kind enough to let me come on here and talk about the greatness of what we do and how we think we can help companies and organizations move forward. Well, we appreciate your being here. You're very articulate and you have a great story. Chris, I'm hearing some kind of an echo on my line. I don't know whose line I'm bouncing off of, but Chris' question is, uh, passion and paranoia, is that part of your formula for success? Every day. Every day I wake up at 5 (laughs) o'clock thinking if I don't get the early worm, some other early bird is going to. And uh, I also look at it as, um, I'm dedicated. This is my passion. This is not just a job, not just my life, but my passion. Um, the only thing uh, more passion that I have for is for my children, and uh, I want to be able to help organizations, individuals, and the, the applications that we use and build and work with on a day-to-day basis. So paranoia and passion. Thank you. I think we came up with some new mantras. Vish Kanaran, let's get you in on this party. Liquid Analytics, give us a little background and your perspective on what Deepak introduced as the as Andy Gross concept of only a paranoid survive. Please join us. Thank you, Bonnie. So Liquid Analytics is a product company. So we have a product very, very focused towards the sales distribution space. And I think what's important for us is, is focus. Uh, you will never be as big as an enterprise. And so where we found success in the enterprise is knowing what is our niche, where are we good at, and, and, and being able to avoid everything else in between. And as far as the paranoid passion goes, I don't think I could have said it any better than Chris. Uh, <laughs> so I won't even bother trying. It's just he, Chris hit the nail on the head when he talked about every morning that paranoid passion. Um, 
So that, you know, hopefully that gives you a perspective of liquid analytics. I mean, you know, it's, it's, for us, it's the user experience, and we believe predictive analytics actually helps us get a better user experience by giving people answers, not data. Thank you very much, Vish. You know what? I think I'm going to give you all a rest, let you collect your thoughts for a moment, because we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I think Vish and Chris probably know, and Deepak, this might be new for you. We're going to do a marathon roundtable. I've asked you all to send me notes before the show. I've got them in front of me. I'm just going to play roulette here and go from person to person. We're going to start off with Chris Carter, and we're going to talk about the following. Selling to the Enterprise is a gladiator event. Get your picture words and picture hats on for that one. We're going to take a break, about 90 seconds. We'll be right back to my audience. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Please, you don't want to miss this one. It's a great episode. We're talking about startups selling to the enterprise. Dare to dream big. I'm talking today with Chris Carter at Aproyo, Vish Kanaran at Liquid Analytics, and Deepak Ayer at SAP Startup Focus. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I will be after the break. We'll be right back. Michael, out. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Here we are. And yes, the water is fine on Twitter. We've got Tom Flanagan, a.k.a. S-A-P underscore R-A-D-I-O, tweeting for us today. And he's capturing words of wisdom from my three guests. Yes, I think our audio is going to be fine. Chris Carter, we're entering into our marathon roundtable round. I'm going to ask you to start the party here. First, I'm going to start off with one of the points you sent me before the show. I think it's major. And let's talk about it. Uh, selling to the enterprise is a gladiator event. I want to say those are fighting words, but you've already said 
said it. So, Chris, what does this mean to you in terms of startups coming out of the box or soon after saying, hello, knock, knock on the door of the big enterprise. We want to go head to head with you. We want you to pay attention to us. We want you to buy from us. So where does the word gladiator enter into this? Chris Carter. Just from that concept, you have to, every day you have to battle. You have to bring your best. You have to wear your gear. You have to make sure your solutions are ready and continuously work on it every single day, just as the gladiators used to work out every day and they used to prepare every day, make sure that they were ready to be able to get the knowledge, doing the research. And Vish and I have the same concept. You have to do your research. You have to do your work to go after these organizations. And if you're not willing to do that, you are going to get fed to the lions. Oh, good picture concept there. Very, very good. Vish, you want to chime in? What do you do? You see gladiators when you think of software? I'm sorry, startups on one side, software startups and enterprises on the other. Is it really a, a contest to the death, or can we have a happy outcome? We're teddy bears in gladiator suits. Of course, we have to be armed and prepared. <laughs> um, you know, and I talk about P5, right? Proper planning prevents poor performance. So just remember that. Of course, you know. It's not gladiators in the sense that we're fighting with customers, but you've got you to come prepared. That's what Chris is talking about. Um, you've got to do your homework. And, you know, it's like calling an electrician, and the electrician shows up and, um, with nothing, and another electrician shows up with a toolbox and the screwdrivers and everything else, and you know they're going to solve that problem. Right? They show up with all their weapons, if you will, uh, and the right people to solve that problem. So you have to do your research so your sales close faster. Okay. And let's turn to our third panelist, Deepak Aher. You agree about the gladiator concept? I'm very interested in your POV from your experience. Absolutely. First and foremost, I think I, would, I should say that all the startups within the Startup Focus Program are gladiators. Brilliant preparation. Uh, and I think that is where it is. Uh, I mean, you can literally make out the people, uh, the startups which are successful are, are putting all in. And their preparation, the homework, the market study, and then essentially, you know, passionate about selling their solution the right way. So completely okay. agree with both of them. And the right way is, and by the way, you don't all have to agree with each other the whole time. So don't, don't be afraid. You know, I'll, I'll uh, moderate the Gladiator event here in the middle of the stadium and make sure everybody comes out alive. I want to turn to Vish Kanarin, uh, one of the points you sent me before the show. Very interesting point we should raise to our audience. You say to the startup, you say you are selling to a market not a single customer if you're a product company. And you add, you are not everything to everybody. But here's the caveat I want you to discuss. People don't know what they want. They know where they want to get to, meaning they have a destination, but they're asking you to choose the road. Very telling. So tell us, what does this mean from your perspective, and how does this apply broad brush to the startups in our audience? So if you're a startup and you're just being a consulting company, which means you go, the, you go to the customer and go, what do you want? And then you turn around and says, well, what do you want? And you end, you're, you're now competing <laughs> with the Accentures and the Deloittes of the world, who are giant. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands of consultants on the business side and the technology side. That's what you're going to be competing against. So hopefully you have a very specific focus. And you, you need to know and market your focus in advance. If you, if you need an early adopter, then you need to tell your customer, hey, you're my first. I'm going to learn this business with you. And most people don't know what they want. They know where, like I said, they know where they want to get to. They know that they want to empower their sales teams so that the sales teams can close sales faster. They can turn from 
transactional reps to marketing advisors and so on and so forth. And as long as you can keep that customer focused on what their, what their goals are, then they're going to ask you how to do it. And, and the more you look like this is, this is how you do it in this space and you try to avoid trying to be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Uh, in fact, this is probably one of the biggest things. They will bait you. They will bait you. They will try to get you to answer every question and say, oh, my goodness, how smart you are. But really what they're realizing is that you're not really an expert in anything. You're just somebody who needs money and will take anything <laughs> that they possibly have. And if you, if you get into a situation where you build for just one customer, you will never be able to take that product and sell it to the next customer and the next customer. This is probably the biggest trap that I see with product companies who build something one-off for one customer and call it a product. Uh, and then they'll get killed because they cannot maintain multiple code bases for a set of customers. You want to have one code base. You want to have your small team. So mm-hmm. I think this is focus on, focus on the market, focus on the domain, and be able to say no to customers and say no to questions that are being answered that are outside of your domain. Interesting. Say no to customers. Why would you do that? Isn't that cutting yourself off at the pass or shooting yourself in the foot? Vish, just answer that. And I'm going to ask Chris Carter to chime in on this interesting topic. Vish? Well, we're, we're, we're the sharp tip of a spear. I mean, we're small folks, so we have to know your, your eyes cannot be bigger than your stomach or your you're going to explode. Now I'll let Chris take it over. <laughs> well, this okay, is absolutely Mr. right. If, if yes. you know where you're going to be, what you're going to do, and how you're going to do it, you can't be everything to everybody. You're not the big IBMs, Deloitte's, and all those. You have to focus because you've got maybe 20 to 50 developers if you're lucky, and those people need to be hyper-focused on what you're going to be providing to the marketplace. And if they start going... So far beyond your, your roadmap and your scope that it causes issues for your company and your product and then your other customers, then you are, pardon my language, you are screwed. <laughs> okay. We're getting colorful here on the show. I heard somebody breathing. Who wants to talk next? Uh, I want to just share something that what Vish and Please. Chris said. Um, I think it is, it is absolutely important. Customers prefer the CIOs, the CXOs prefer that there is a niche, that there, they are, the, the vendor is coming with the startup or any ISVs or any companies pitching at a customer place is coming with their speciality. Don't be all. We don't expect that you would know everything, first and foremost, about everything in the world, and second, about our business, which is what we understand the best. So in my experience, going there with a very specific focus for example, a specific solution for an industry or a line of business would be more valuable than saying that, oh, tell me what else can I do for you or, uh, you know, we do everything or any, anything of that sort. That would actually diffuse the whole conversation that goes along. And, and that essentially goes into, first and foremost, doing the homework before you make the call mm-hmm. and then preparing for the call itself. But you want to lead with your the best uh, unique selling point out there to anybody who gets on the, uh, you know, whoever you're trying to sell. Thank you, Deepak. Anybody want to chime in on what Deepak said? Because I'm going to go in a slightly different direction with a talking point that Deepak gave me, actually. Chris or Vish, anything you want to comment on what he said? No, no I think last Deepak, right. hit, Deepak hit the nail there. He hit it on the head. 
Let's Good. We got a lot know. of agreeers. Good. Now, I want to take it in a slightly different direction. I want to bring in some interesting words. Deepak said, understanding the enterprise selling landscape. And let's talk about this. It looks like there are at least four personas here in your description of that landscape, Deepak. You say you should know who is your economic buyer. That's number one. Who is your technical buyer, number two. And I'm just making the number order is just a list. Who is your influencer and maybe... More, most important, and you're going to tell me if it is, who is your champion? Is that what we used to call your flag waver or your banner carrier? Deepak, <laughs> tell me these, remember those days? Oh, yes, I think Absolutely. you do. So who, who, how do you figure out in a particular enterprise who's the economic buyer, the technical buyer, the influencer, and the champion? How do you find those people? Great. Um, been dying to answer this uh, for all these years because it took. I, I, it was not difficult for me. It was. It was kind of difficult for me when I initially started, and then when I learned the trick, I said, "I got to share this experience with others who are willing to, or who are trying to, uh, you know, sell to enterprises." As a part of doing homework, it is extremely important first and foremost to really understand whom are you selling it to. Are you selling it this your solution to a business user or? Uh, an information officer or to a CIO organization or a CTO organization. Whom are you selling the solution to? And there is a possibility that you may change a little bit of messaging based on whom you're selling to. But before changing the messaging, you want to first identify who these people are. Economic mm-hmm. buyer is somebody who is responsible for specifically making a decision to buy or not to buy a solution like this. It is important for them to know whether it is a strategic buy or is it a tactical buy. And these people are specifically CFOs, Mm -hmm. people who literally give money and say, guys, go ahead, here is a budget for you, here is uh, money for you, go and buy the solution and show me, and I'm going to keep a track on whether we are getting a return on investment or not. Okay? Technical buyers. Technical buyers are people who have really the business problem. They are looking for somebody who is able to solve this business problem and from a holistic point of view, not just saying, okay, I found a solution which solves a business problem. Oh, well, how does it interact with other systems of ours? Who's going to do the training? Who's going to do the testing? What if something goes wrong? Who's going to be supporting this? Those are the people essentially, typically IT managers, IT directors, business managers, business directors, who are people who are essentially consultants who are a part of this technical buying. Influencers are people who are influenced by this decision of buying or not buying a specific solution or a vendor. Typically, people who are either on the HR side or the marketing side or people who are on the sales side who say, if we bring in this particular solution within our organization, it will help us achieve, build more revenue from a different line of business or would be able to reduce, save some cost to us. And these are influencers who basically may not be using the system directly, but can influence this particular sale. Your champion could be any one of them. Mm-hmm. You could have a consultant on the outside who could be an industry expert and who could say, guys, I know these people, I've tested them outside of the world, I've, I've used them in the past. It could be a reference. Somebody who's already your customer can be your champion existing in, in, in a different account. So your champion essentially is somebody who has used your application, who feels more confident about the application and 
you know, somebody who's basically uh, going to be an advisor, an unbiased advisor to the person who's buying it. Interesting, interesting. I, before I ask any questions about these four uh, to you, I want to get some input from, of course, Chris Carter and Vishkanar. And uh, either one of you jump in and tell me, do you agree that these are the four main people you need to know, maybe not to get a face-to-face appointment with all four of them, but certainly to know who they are and what their mindset is and what their budget is and what their strategic plans are? Chris, Vish, who wants to add? I'd say absolutely correct. You need to know the people around the person or the individual that you're trying, that you feel is the the buyer. If you know who's got additional budgets, who's got additional, uh, who's the technology staff that's going to be going through the process, who's going to be going through this process with you, because he's going to be working with those individuals and getting input from them. And if you can say with confidence that you've already had conversations or that you know who this individual is and can start to build upon that, that gives you credibility and gives you success um, from the business side to the technology side to the finance side to the executive board side. Great. Uh, and, Vish? And this is Vish. So mm-hmm. uh, I agree with that. And one, another, another demographic for us is the user because uh, at the end of the day, the user is going to be using our application, and we want to understand, feel, and how that user is going to use that, that our experience is for that user. So we do ride-alongs, and we try to, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, take all the managers out of the equation, what's going to make or break the adoption of our product is the user. And, and so we spend a lot of time, uh, sometimes even before we get there, to know, to know and see how that user feels and behaves. Um, I think that's very, very critical uh, because, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're building the player's app, not the coach's app. Very interesting point. Very good. Do you both agree? Uh, Deepak, do you agree that you should add the user to that list or we should add it? Absolutely. The fluencer, influencer also equates to users, which I missed out. And thanks, Rish. That's why we have such a good panel. Now, I have a question for all three of you. Anybody can jump in. The question is, let's say the news leaks out, I don't know, at a networking event, at an industry event, people are speaking on a panel that a certain company, a big enterprise, is looking for something. They're not happy with their current IT landscape or they've got a very creative CIO. He's in the market. He's kind of cracking his eyes open and saying, hmm, I wonder what's out there that we could do something better. Word gets out on the street, quote, unquote, the digital street, and people start making a B line for him, talking about your list, pack, the economic buyer, the technical buyer. So his phone lines are jammed, his secretary or admin or whatever she, they or she or he calls herself is, is getting emails and phone calls. I want to talk to him because we know he's looking for something. How can a startup get into that mix? We've already talked about the fact that the big guys, the big consultants are probably there first on the inside track. So how do you get your credibility with the person you need to say, hello, I'm raising my hand here. I'm even in the back row, but I have something really special to tell you about. Deepak, Vish, Chris, who wants to uh, help me with this one? I can go first. Yeah, please. Mm -hmm. Uh, In earlier days, I used to follow people to go to the bathroom and actually catch them there. (laughs) I don't know if anybody does that now. I never expected that. It's like following somebody coming out of Ikea waiting for a parking space, right? You trail this poor woman and her three children to the car. Are you getting out? No. Oh, damn. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) 
<laughs> you followed them to the bathroom. You heard it first here live on SAP Startup Focus Radio. Michelle, we need more shows. This is too good. Go, go ahead, Deepak. So what happened when you confronted this person in the, shall we say, executive washroom? Go ahead. Okay. So it is very important to literally give them, uh, you know, a kind of an understanding, something that is going to take the first second for them to realize that, oh, my God, mm-hmm. what am I listening to this person about? And mm-hmm. typically, you would say that, I heard today that your revenues are dropping. Did you hear that? And all of a sudden, the person just looks at you and says, oh, my God, what happened? How does this person know? Maybe it is true, it is untrue. But really speaking, what you're trying to say is that you want to create some sort of a business impact statement, which is going to create, yes. create an attention span. Mm-hmm. And, Very interesting. Uh, <laughs> and a business Even. impacting statements typically would be, you know, about uh, something that's happening in the industry, something that's happening with the competition, something that's happening within uh, the company, if you have intelligence about it, or essentially nowadays, at least there is internet available, so you can literally do a little bit of research and come to know that, well, your employees are not happy. Why? Because of mm-hmm. some solutions not been working or because there is... Your, your ERP system sucks or something like that. You will find a lead somewhere is what uh, is my response to this. Chris Carter, have you ever done that? Tell me the truth. Come on. So I did not go into the bathroom, but I did while I was on an airplane. I knew who the CEO of one of the companies that I was pursuing was. And lo and behold, I was sitting literally a row behind him. And I started, I took out my phone and pretended that I was on a phone call, and I started making references to the company, started making references to individuals, started making references to projects, Um, and lo and behold, he went up, he got up, used the the lavatory, actually, at the airplane, came walking back, and he looked at me, gave me this look, and I looked at him, and I kind of said, hey, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, I kind of heard you talking about our company. What do you do with us? And lo and behold, we stood in the aisle for about 30 minutes talking. And we, we do work with them. We still do work with them today. Chris, I, I hate to be trite, but that's a beautiful story. That really, we've got the bathroom, uh, I won't call it the assault, but we've got the bathroom, hey. We've got the, the airplane. Vish, dare I ask you to top these stories, may I? I am not going to have any bathroom references <laughs> in mine. <laughs> Airplane, airport, you know. supermarket, gas station, anything, uh, front row at a conference. Have you ever, ever, I won't say confronted, but ever approached somebody who may or may not have been, quote, unquote, in or out of your league in terms of you being a startup and wanting to sell to an enterprise? Ever have any of those epiphany moments where you can say, aha, I got to talk to that person? Anything? Wish, take off your sophisticated hat while you answer that. There we go. <laughs> I... I we get a lot of our businesses through references. And so, in, a, in other words, it's a, it's a CIO at company one who's done a great job, who trusts us, trust is transitive. And so, we try to set everything up. You know, so, what we do is we get CIOs to help us to introduce us to future CIOs. Mm-hmm. And that's very critical. You know, nobody knows you from boo, right? I mean, you really, need, you really need somebody who trusts that person to say, you can trust this other person. Otherwise it, otherwise, it ends up becoming a little contrived in the sense that, you, you know, most people have their guard up. I mean, you're asking people for money. Sure. You're asking people to put their users and, and their budgets at stake. I mean, you can walk away and fail, but, but what are they going to do? I mean, they're stuck with this technology or they're stuck with some solution that's going to be impossible to unwind. Um, so mo- 
you know, I don't have the I don't have an exact daring do like that. But what we do is we mm-hmm. have we have CIOs. Very, and I think what you have to do is when you're at a conference and you know somebody, you have that you walk up to that person and say, introduce me to somebody, and that's what mm-hmm. we've done. You know, basically say, introduce me to somebody, create that moment where you can transfer trust, uh, and that and that has played out far more often than um, any daring do. <laughs> very, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to go around the table here. I, I'm going to give my panel a choice. We can go to break in three minutes and then come back for the predictions round, or we can just keep going for the next uh, 15 minutes. What do you prefer? Chris, you want to keep going? Uh, I'm with you. I, I like talking to pretty girls, so let's do it. <laughs> oh, I'm a pretty girl now. Thank you very much. Uh, Deepak and Vish, are you willing to just keep going all the way through? Absolutely. Because this is such a good conversation. I, I hate to have to break it up, so let's not. Uh, and I'm telling Michael, our engineer, no break. We're going to go all the way through. We do this once in a while, but only with very special people like like you. He got it. Okay, good. So let me go around the table and look at some interesting points of reference that are basically advice. I'm just going to pick and choose at random. I'm scrolling up and down a document with all the notes you sent me. I'm going to pick on Vish Kanaran first, Liquid Analytics, and you say here, don't do anything for free. This is advice to the startup looking to play with the big kids, with the enterprises. Value is not free. Vish, start us off on this one. I'm going to have Chris and Deepak chime in. Then I'll go to somebody else's. We're going to get as much advice out of here as we can. So, Vish, don't do anything for free. Value is not free. What do you mean by that? So I think it, it, there, you are at various stages in the company. As a startup, let's say you have nothing, right? You, have, you are looking to build a product. And so you're really desperate to at least get one referenceable customer. Um, I think what's important is that you're, you're, nobody is coming with nothing. Like we're all mm-hmm. smart people. We're coming with some advice. We're coming with some mathematics. We're coming with something that can benefit the customer. And you need to, you need to make sure that that customer sees you of value. And once you set the tone for free, you will always be free. You can never charge more. You always end up charging less. Prices drop. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is you see this all the time with the, these, 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 you know, even WhatsApp, for example, bought by Facebook for $16 billion. Their customers came to WhatsApp because there, weren't, there wasn't any advertising. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't any really any cost to it. You're not just going to take those subscribers and say, now I'm going to charge you. They'll all leave. And people mm-hmm. don't realize that. I think the, you know, so, so you must set the bar high. It's also a filter. Anybody who doesn't want to pay for your services, especially when you're there for the very first time, is going to just drag you down and just continuously ask you. If, some, if things are free, they'll keep asking for more and more and more things because it doesn't have any economic impact for them. Um, right. You, be, you become volunteer status. Am I right? We become, yeah, we're not the Mother Teresa of consulting or product. That's really important. Okay. Um, Good point. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, my, 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 you know, in, 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 and related to that, I think it's they have to pony up costs. I mean, if, if you go, even if you go in there for free, they're going to have to put people to talk to. They're, they're spending money. Mm-hmm. Everybody's sure. spending money. Everybody makes a salary. And it's a sign of respect that if they, if they truly value your time and your advice, not just for this moment, but for the long term, they will pay for it. And if they, don't, if they don't, give them to your competitor. Setting up value. Good point. I'm going to have Chris Carter, and uh, it, that was, uh, let's see, Deepak, any comments on that, or Chris? Absolutely. Uh, uh, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Deepak. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I, I, sh- I definitely want to resonate on, uh, you know, the value piece. It is extremely important. It is very, very important to 
bring that value, show that value very early in the game itself so that you don't land up in this situation of free. When you mm-hmm. basically position your solution, it is, it is extremely important to create or to show or present that business value or the, the value that you're bringing to the table. Typically, I would say that even if you have to give it free, and which could happen in some situations, it is very important to keep you know, a perspective in mind. You are losing a specific battle, but you're not losing the war. It's extremely, extremely important to know that even though you would be able to, from a transaction perspective, provide a free, which you, know, you can either, either discount it or do something, give some value, get something out of it. It could mm-hmm. be a three-year long-term agreement versus one-year uh, you know, one agreement or something. You have to get something out of that. And I would highly rate that uh, you know, value is not free. Absolutely Sounds like not. you have to be creative about crafting the, the decision of what you go in with and what you get back. Chris Carter, I know you have some thoughts on this. Go ahead. Sure. And, and actually, Vish and I were together in Deepak last week at a, a show, and, and we talked about we are not free. Everything we do has a cost structure to it. Just me breathing has a cost to it mm-hmm. for the company, for the development, for what we do as humans within the organization and what we do for our customers. So to belittle us and say that we want a free this or your service is free because you're just a startup or you're, no, that is not going to happen. Somebody asked, well, what about a free POC? Okay, maybe you give them a couple of days, but you know what? There's still a cost structure to that, and you they shouldn't see the value in what we bring. And if they don't see the value, then maybe just like this said earlier, you fire that organization because mm-hmm. they don't see the value of what you, your organization, and your solutions bring. If somebody and asks they- for a free solution from us, we're literally, okay, we're going to give you a user ID and a password for X day to just see what it does, but you don't get the rest of it for free. We mm-hmm. want you to get on it, but there is a lot of circumstances behind it that it's now pay to play or hit the road, Jack. Mm-hmm. Sounds you know, like you need to have a, a anti-free strategy. Go ahead. Who was talking? Yeah, so, you know, the interesting thing is there's a lot of folks out there who are trying to adopt consumer models in the enterprise by trying to give things away for free. And so I think folks like Chris and I are just going to let them watch and fail because they're going to run out of money and they're going to fail, right? That's what's right. going to happen. They're going to fail. They're going to be unable to change behavior. And, you know, maybe, Chris, you and I, what we should do is we should just look for these enterprise companies that give away stuff for free and just follow them around in bathrooms. At airports. The elegant one is, is <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> this reminds me of a one conversation that I had with the CIO and I literally confronted him in a very early uh, you know, stages of my sales career, I said, do you ask your doctors to provide you free service? There are enough doctors, mm-hmm. but still you want to go to this one, this one because of family history or whatever may be the reason or you have heard about it. Would you go and ask your doctor to, to provide you free service? And Deepak, if you add one more thing to that, if you were getting brain surgery, would you trust the doctor that is free or the doctor you're paying? There, there you, you go. say it. 
There you go. There's our value right there. Now, we've got, let's see, we've got eight minutes left till the end. I want to give you each a minute, not yet, but a minute for predictions on, on what advice you might give to startups five years or six years from today. I like the idea that 2020, hindsight is 2020, so you can go six years. But I have one more question to ask. It's a, a talking point from Deepak A here. I'd like you all to comment. We talked about knowing your economic buyer, your technical buyer, your influencer, your users, your champion, all those good people in the enterprise you're trying to sell to. I ended with a preposition. I know, Chris, don't say anything. But here's the point. Deepak says, identify if the CIO is a risk taker, an innovation leader, or a keep the lights on kind of guy. I'm going to add Deepak or gal. Could be a woman CIO. You know that. You, I know you know Absolutely. that. So, so how do you... I, I, I'm, I'm adding, I'm editorializing here. So the question is, how do you know the persona, I'll use that word, of the CIO? And, and how do you know if they're a risk taker, innovation leader, or keep the lights on? Talk to me. I'll give you about a minute on that one, then I want to have a chance for Chris and Vish to both chime in. Then we're going to go to predictions because we're almost out of time. So go ahead, Deepak, start it, please. Just simply ask them. A lot of CIOs are very, very clear mm. today to literally say, and they will be very upfront saying that, look, this is great technology, good solutions, but my mandate out here is to keep the lights on because okay. I have very yep. specific CapEx budget. I do not have any OpEx way out to kind of see this uh, going. The cost is a consideration. Even though the company is growing, I do not have a strategic budget uh, line or track that I'm asked to invest in. My job is to just make sure that people are working and the IT systems or the CIO organization is just supporting the people. They are a support organization. Whereas some CIOs are risk takers in the sense that they are able to calculate and manipulate and sometimes, and they, they, they do a lot of homework by themselves by saying that, okay, if I have to reduce cost, and I have to show that I'm supporting the service or supporting the revenue or building the, helping the company to build a revenue. These are some of these partners that I have to make, uh, you know, I have to partner with or these, uh, you know, uh, with some startups or some companies or some ISVs. I need to partner with who can bring this strategic value at this level, the value of which will come in six months, but I'm willing to take that risk today because it is a very new technology and those CIOs will basically make sure that they will, uh, you know, understand the solution to the grin. They make these partners really strategic partners, understand everything. There's, there's a huge amount of trust and transparency involved in all. And innovation leaders are leaders who are basically driving and changing the mothership. They are basically educating people within the company to adopt technologies, giving them ideas about what's happening in the world, how some of the some of the other companies are adopting technologies, you would see that there is in the last one and, a, one and a half year in the Valley itself, even within SAP, there mm-hmm. have been executive boards and executive uh, teams from different customers just making rounds in the Silicon Valley. All of a sudden, like you're wondering what happened, 10 people, 11 people from large banks, financial services, technologies, companies, they are going to Googles of the world, Facebooks of the world, SAPs of the world, and trying to understand how are these companies looking at innovation. They mm-hmm. want to basically take lead on that and from their industry perspective and lead it. Deepak, thank you. You know what? We're out of time. I'm going to give you each exactly one minute on the clock. No kidding. Chris Carter, prediction time or wrap up. 60 seconds. Use it as you will. Chris Carter, Aproyo, go. 
prediction is that the uh, enterprise is going to see more companies like us who are aggressive, who are prepared, and are ready to strike and help them in ways that they've never been helped before, and then to be able to follow through on it. We are the new economy. We are the new business. We are the new way of doing business. We're prepared, and we will dominate in the future. Wow, that's a position of strength. I like that. Good good mantra and good show of leadership to other startups. Thank you so much, Chris. Chris, how long has Aproyo been in business, by the way? Are you really still a startup? Um, we've been in it now over three years, and uh, we're still startup, but we're we're beyond that. We now have millions in the bank, which is nice. I'm very happy to hear that. You can take good planes now. Okay, Vish Kanarn from Liquid Analytics. Don't call me, ma'am. Liquid Analytics, I can give you exactly 60 seconds. Vish Kanarn, predictions, go. 60 seconds. So IT as, a, IT as its current organization is dead, and you need to learn how to sell to the business, sell, to the, sell business services to the business. And most important is take care of your team. Software equals team. Having a team is like having the right manufacturing engine your little 3D printer, if you will, to print great solutions for the future. Because it's that team, if you protect your team and you maintain your team, you will create great products. Great products will give you great customers, and great customers will give you their revenue so you can build that great team of yours. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And let's turn to Deepak Ayer at SAP Startup Focus. Deepak, 60 seconds. Go. Enterprise today are no longer in the situation of buying better things from big companies. It is about buying things from smaller companies which make their company big. And that's where the startups, I think, is changing the whole paradigm here. Intelligent and, and brilliant startups today are coming out of uh, multiple global locations. And they are today essentially the forefront of innovation, technology, disruption, and transformation. Mm. Wonderful. And I've got two minutes to close the show and do a lot of thank yous. Thank you very much for keeping it on the clock, the three of you. I appreciate it. Men of many words, but knowing when to be very concise. Great, greatly appreciated. Uh, I'm going to do some shout-outs before I give you the upcoming schedule. Chris Carter from Aprio, you've been on many times. You've been a great guest every time. Thank you very much for coming back and sharing your wisdom. Vish Kanar and Liquid Analytics, I believe you've already been on before and wonderful. Come back anytime. Deepak Ahir, long overdue that you came on the show and I'm so pleased to meet you. I want to do a shout-out to Michelle Hickey, who is, uh, and with Manju Banzal and others on the startup team who've been the sponsor of this series. This is the last show of this current flight of Startup Focus with Game Changers. I think we've done 25 or 26 weeks of shows, and it's been a real pleasure. Tom Flanagan has been supporting, and Tom is also our tweeter today at Tom Flanagan, T-H-O-M Flanagan, and at SAP underscore radio. And thank you to Michael and the Business Channel team. Now let me give you my predictions of my own. Uh, this has been Thursday, so that's right. It was Startup Focus this morning. We did Future of Business. That's the end of my week on live business talk radio. We're going to start all over again on Monday with Financial Excellence with Game Changers, 10 a.m. Pacific on Tuesday. That means it's HR Trends with Game Changers, 9 a.m. Pacific. Wednesday is Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific. And if you think that's early, Thursday is Future of Business with Game Changers, 7 a.m. Pacific. I just want to thank everybody involved with this show. It's been a pleasure. What a great way to go out and end the run. Uh, great information, great watchwords, and great wisdom from my three panelists today. Chris, let's stay in touch. Vish the same and Deepak the same. I'm going to give my call to action to everybody right now. 
What are you waiting for? Fasten your seatbelt. Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition and the last for now of Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. I'll be back Monday with Financial Excellence. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.